Rabbi Isaiah, Guten Erev Shabbos, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Chukas, Tovshin Pe'alev. This recording is being recorded um, late Thursday night, as I am now presently in Chutzlaritz. I came into the United States uh, at the beginning of the week. I have Ufruf the Shabbos of a Talmud and a friend by the name of Stephen Braid. I want to wish him Mazel Tov on the upcoming Chasna, which Mitz Hashem will be Sunday, Bishatoiva Mitzlachas. And also, there's another wedding of a Nair Yaakov Talmud who's marrying off a daughter, Rebelli Lowinger. His daughter Milka is getting married. I want to wish them also Mazel Abracha. And then immediately afterwards, I fly back to Eretz Israel. In order to attend the wedding of our grandson, Yisrael Talba, who's getting married Mitzvah a week from tonight on Thursday night in Yerushalayim, Yerakaydish. So it's a, 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 a source of nachas and simchas. And uh, I also have had the opportunity while I'm here to see many Talmidim. I was in Florida for a few days and I was able to see wonderful, wonderful peris and nachas of many Talmidim who were building their homes and building their lives uh, around the, the Torah and the Avodah. And we want to give them all a bracha. Everyone should be healthy and everyone should continue to do the Avodah Hashem properly. I gave a Zoom shmooze today and, and I uh, mentioned something that happened to me when I was in Florida. I had an opportunity to learn early in the morning with an Ariak of Talmud named Joel Kleiner. We, uh, we learned uh, after davening and as we were sitting there, a Yid came over, an older Yid, and spoke in a pretty thick old European-Hungarian language uh, accent. And he asked if he could give us a cup of coffee. And I said, for sure, you should bring us a cup of coffee. If you could bring us a cup of coffee, we'd be so thankful. And he said, can I bring you a cookie too? And I said, yes. And he brought us coffee, he brought us a cookie. He wanted to do chesed. It was very, very special. And he ended up... Uh, telling us where he came from. He was born in the town of Satmar, and he was went through the war, and uh, he himself is a survivor. He must have been a young boy at the time. And um, we were talking and schmoozing, and I told him over a, a little uh, Misa and a, and a Vart that I had heard from the Satmar Rebbe, Rabbi Yailish. And then he told me a story, uh, he told me a Vart, I just want to share that with you. He said, we were speaking about that, the, you know, the, the Litvisha yeshivas, they learn very, very slow and very methodically, and sometimes they learn very, very small amount of blood of Gemara. And the Hasidish yeshivas, they learn a lot. They learn a lot. They learn a lot of Daphne Gemara, they learn a lot of Bekiyas, and they don't, what's called Kvetch, on every single ice in Rashi, in the Havmi, in the Maskana of the Gemara. They learn it with a lot of breath. So he said there was once a boy that he knew in his day that learned in Satmar, and he was very much enjoyed to learn Rebbe Kivager and to learn the Ketzai Sechashin. And in Satmar, they weren't learning that. So he decided to go to a very Chashvi yeshiva, which was in those days in Bensonhurst, that was the yeshiva of Beis HaTalmud, some of the great yeshivas of Bleib Malin. And uh, he enjoyed himself. And then one, one Yontif came back to Williamsburg, and he came into the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said to Nuh, how do you, how do you enjoy what you're learning? So he told him he's enjoying it very much, and he loves the alumnus, and he says, Nuh, how much 
How many blot did you learn this this man? Said he said, we learned three blot of Gemara. Said the Rebbe like like gefod. That's that, that that's that's called learning. You learn three blot of Gemara, and he made a little fun. I don't want to say exactly what he said. But he made a little fun about the litfisha and how they they get you know stuck on every single line, everything everything else. And he said, I have a mafurish arayah from the Torah. That's not the derech to learn. What's the raya? The raya is that when Yaakov Avinu had to go down to Mitzrayim, it says, "Es Yehuda Shalach Lefanov." He sent down Yehuda in front of him in order to get to build a yeshiva. So the Satan Rebbe said, "Why did he send Yehuda? He should have given that job over to Yosef. Yosef was a Talmud Chacham, and Yosef wasn't just a Talmud Chacham. Yosef had business acumen. He was the viceroy of Pyro. He could build a yeshiva. He could build the whole building, build the whole campus." He could make uh, campaigns, and he was a great Talmud Chacham as well. So why did he send Afka Yehuda? Why did he send Yosef? Yosef's there already. So the Satan Rebbe said, uh, the Teretz is, that we know that when Yosef was, uh, wanted to send a message to his father that he's alive, Yosef Chai, what did he do? He sent wagons filled with all kinds of delicacies. And the reason why he sent wagons was a miramas that the last thing that he had learned with Yaakov Avinu was the parish of Egla Rufa. So he was, so the Sat Rebbe said that when, ya, when Yaakov saw that he sent him the parish of Egla Rufa, the Agolas, he said, Oive, yeah, Yosef, it's all he learned, he's still holding by the Egla Rufa. He hasn't learned any bikis, he hasn't gone any further. He says, if that's the case, he's not the person that I can entrust to build the yeshiva. She has to be built by Yehuda. Yehuda will learn bikis, learn with breath. And this was a, a, a little vitz, a little joke that the Satan Rebbe said. I want to say that in this week's parsha, there's so much to speak about. And there's another recording that I'm going to attach to this, which was what I said last year. There's some very geshmaka divrei Torah. I just want to point out one or two things now, and hopefully you listen to the second tape as well. But the parsha is again a continuation of some of the difficult times in Klai Yisrael, which is the Meimariva, the death of two great people, which we'll discuss in a moment. But the Torah starts off with the words, This is the Chayk of the Torah, and it speaks about the midst of the Paraduma, bringing a Paraduma, and the whole Torah process which takes place within it. I saw that the Psalm brought down the Sefer, the Balaturim, Brings down that there's a smichus of the parish of Chukasatar to last week's parsha, where the last week's parsha speaks about the Indian of Baharimchem as Chelba Mimenu. Speaking over there about the Indian of Truma and Truma Gedayla, but the language is Baharimchem as Chelba Mimenu, and you will take up the Chelev Mimenu. And the, the Baal Truma says it's a remez, like Come and teach us that the Torah was only given to the people that eat the mun. So I brought down the say for a cute remez, al-piderich, of the gematrius. He says the gematria of mimenu is uh, 146. Excuse me, 136. The gematria of chelboi is 46, if you'll count it up. The lama, the ches, the base is it's 40, and the vav is 46. So he says, very, very good. He says, Zayis Chukas is connected to Baharimchem as Chelba Mimenu. Because when you take away the Chelev, the Chelbai, which is 46 of the Mimenu, 
from the 136, you're left with 90. 90 is Begematria Mon. So therefore, that's the Pshat. Acute Pshat. Two personalities pass away at this week's parasha, and that's the Misa of Miriam and the Misa of Aaron Akayan. And the, um, we know that the Schus of Miriam it was the Schus of the Be'er, and when Miriam dies, the bear stopped giving out its waters. Now, the Rabbein the, Bechaya the says, why is it that Miriam Mazoicha, that the Be'er should, should come about because of her? And he answers, because Miriam waited for Moshe Rabbeinu at the Nile River, and therefore, Beschus, that she waited there by the waters of the Nile, she got the Shlita, she got the, the, the ability to be able to use the water in his proper way. And therefore, Beschus, that she waited by the Nile, and she didn't allow Moshe to be drowned like all the other Yidden, the other Yiddish kidney the pirate tried to drown. So therefore, she became a Shailit, she became a ruler over the Mayim, and that's why she got the Shchus of the Be'er. And I saw that Rabbi Leib Simon says an unbelievable thing. We see from over here that literally for one Maisa Chesed, really what was the Maisa Chesed? She didn't really do anything. She just waited there just to see what was going to happen. But that was a tremendous Chesed. She wanted to see how the Hashkoch was going to turn about. And eventually she was the one that when Bitya came down and, 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 and took Moshe out, so she was the one that gave over the advice that she should look for a, a, a Hebrew a, a every maidservant in order to be able to feed Moshe Rabbeinu. She actually did do chesed. But that chesed, listen to what it did. One Maisa chesed kept Klai Yisrael going for, for 40 years, gave them water, gave them sustenance. We see from here how deeply we can affect the world in our actions by doing even one Maisa chesed. And when Miriam dies... The bear is Nistam, because she was the one that was Shoilet. And, um, you know, I was thinking about the, there's an upcoming Simchot to our Talmud, Eli Lohringer, and I know so many times I've spoken about how I was told on many occasions by the Erloyer Rav that Mr. Lohringer's, Maurice Lohringer, was the one that was offered to keep alive the Budapest ghetto for the time period when they were under the Nazis, and he fed the Jews and he kept the kitchen going and he influenced the people to continue to, to not to despair. And there's no question, that's chus, is a chus that lists, we have no idea how much one Maisa Chesed can have an effect, not only for a person, but for Gantz Kla Yisrael. By Aaron Akayan, it says, Vayifku, they all cried. I want you to listen to the Dvar Torah that we have on the second recording. Beautiful, beautiful Dvar Torah, which speaks about an analysis of the difference between what Rashi says over here in this parsha, when he speaks about Kol Bnei Yisrael, and the way Rashi explains it in Sefer Dvarim. Slight differences, but those slight differences have tremendous ramifications. Rabbi, I want to give everybody a bracha, Hashem, the Shabbos, should be with a Gavali Gavali Kasimcha. And the parsha of the Zeus Kukas HaTayra is, as we know, it says, Adam Kiyamus Ba'ol. The only way we can really get through the Chuk of the Torah is by literally by 
being being willing to be most in efforts for the Torah. And I told the Talmud just before that there's no question when I see uh, so many Talmudim that learned in Ner Yaakov, each one on his level, each one trying his utmost to keep the tenets of the Torah and to be mamous themselves on the tenets of the Torah, they should realize this is the schus for them, the schus for the mishpacha. We want to give everybody a bracha, it should be a wonderful Shabbos. We should be zaycha in the schus of the Torah, the schus of the chesed. We should be zaycha to the gula shleim, amen, amen, wishing everyone a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos. We want to say something on the parsha, and we want to try to give a message that also will impact upon us. And a great story with a siyata de shemaya part of this story, which I just found out just a few minutes ago. So let's get right to it. In Parshas Chukas, uh, we continue uh, in the portions of the third, as we've mentioned in the past, the second half of, of Sefer Bamidbar, which speaks about the unpleasantness of Klal Yisrael, the not such great geshmaka things. Like last week was Parshas Kairach, which spoke about Machlaikus and Klal Yisrael. Not a very, very happy way to live. And in this week's Parsha, we continue with the, the episode of the death of Miriam, the death of Aaron, and we speak about the, the hitting of the rock, the hitting of the stone, which was the cause of Moshe Rabbeinu not being able to enter into Eretz Yisrael, all because of the complaints of Klal Yisrael. So again, a lot of disaccord, a lot of complaining, a lot of machlaikas. In the middle of the parsha, there's a, a par- there's another parsha, which we're all familiar with, but could be that this gives us a little bit of a hint of light of how we could somehow um, see the answer to all of the issues. And that is what we find in the story of the Misa of Aaron Akayat. And over there it speaks about how Aaron Akayim went up to Har Hahar, which was on the Gvul of Eretz Edom. Moshe Rabbeinu goes up with him. He's dressed in the Big Day Kuna. Also a question, how could he wear a Big Day Kuna there? I saw one of the Mepharshim says that since he was going up and he was going to be like, this was his last Avodah. So, <coughs> and he was going up to the Har. So that was considered part of his Avodah. And therefore, even though he's Chutzla he still have to wear the Big Day Kuna. And then it says, Moshe Rabbeinu took off his clothes, he put it on to Elazar, his son, Aaron passes away, Vayamas Aaron Shom Or Moshe and Elazar go down from the mountain, the entire nation sees, It says, the entire Jewish nation cried for 30 days over the passing, the Petira of Aaron HaKoyin. And we're all familiar with what Rashi brings down, that not only was it the men that cried, but also the women that cried. Why? Because Aaron was the exemplar of the Midah of Oyev Shalom, Roydev Shalom, Oyev Zabrius Makarvan Latayra, as the Mishnah says. And he was Matil Ava, he was able to bring uh, peace, love into the dis- disaccord to the Bala Meriva, Ubain Ishla Ishtai. So there's a fascinating vart which I saw from my friend, Rav Shragi Nubiger, Shlita, the Rashiva, one of the Rashivas in Ner Yisrael in Baltimore. And I added on a little bit in the flavor, and I want to bring out not only the insight and the message, but also a Gavaldika story to illustrate it, which has the Hashkacha Pratis, which I mentioned before. If you're Medayik, 
in the language of Rashi, you'll take a look at the words. It's worthwhile to see inside. It's Perik, Perik Chaf, Pasuk Chaf Tes. The last Pasuk in Perik Chaf, the 29th Pasuk. Over there, Rashi says a few beautiful words. He says, Men and women, Anashim Venashim, Aaron was a runner after peace. Umatel Ahava Ben Bale Meriva. He placed love between people that had arguments. Bale Meriva. Ubain Ishla Ishta between man and his wife. That's what Rashi says over here. The language is he's Matil Sholom. He was Matil Ava. There's another Rashi which also mentions a similar concept, but over there the Rashi has a little bit of a different language. And that Rashi is all the way at the end of Sefer Devarim, when it speaks about the Petira of Moshe Rabbeinu. Because really what's happening over here in, in, in Bamidbar, when it speaks of the Misa of Aaron, we're also mentioning that Aaron is the one that everyone cried for. But by Moshe Rabbeinu, all it says is, is the language of B'nai Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu dies, and it says in Perik, Lamedalid Pasikhes, Vayifku Bene Yisrael as the sons of Israel. And Rash says, Who are the sons? The Scharim, the men. Abu Ba'aren, by Aaron, since he was a Rodev Shalom. So there it says the language of Kolbeis Israel. But Rashi says a little bit of a different language. He says, Aaron was a Rodev Shalom, the no saying Shalom ben Ishlareyu. He was a giver of peace between man and his friend, Ubain Isha Labaila, and woman and her husband. Why does Rashi change from the language in Bamidbar where he used the language of Matil Shalom? And over here he used the lesson of No Saint Shalom, a giver of Shalom. So the interpretation which I heard, which is a Gavaldic insight, is that there's two different types of ways of, of Shalom. Sometimes Shalom comes about when there's so much disaccord, there's so much disarray, there's so much fighting that the person has to step in and he has to be matil shalom. He has to somehow create a situation that peace should happen between the two different parties. That's not an easy task. A person that's Isaac in, 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 in this Indian of shalom bias knows not an easy task to take place, especially when it's sometimes between a wife and a husband. Sometimes the disaccord and the, the, the differences and the different backgrounds and everything else that's going on in life can somehow create havoc in marriage. And you need someone that's been matil shalom. But then there's a different aspect. There's an aspect of not necessarily being matil shalom, but there's a no sin shalom. And that's a pre a, that's a predisposition, predisposition which creates an effect in the home where there's no need to be matil shalom because automatically a person was a no saint shalom. When a person comes into the house after a long day, as I just heard on the radio, how does the husband feel? The husband wants to forget about everything that happened to him in the office in the day. <coughs> All he wants to do is to eat and to have some time to rest. So if that's going to be his attitude, if he just walks into the house and he says, give me the food and I don't want to talk about anything, that's not a person who's a no saint shalom. The wife, on the other hand, what does she want to do? She doesn't want to forget about anything, every any single episode that took place in her in her day. She wants to 
have a discussion and tell the husband everything is going on. She wants the husband to sit down to have a meal with her and to have a whole beautiful, beautiful conversation while the husband is just interested in forgetting everything. The wife wants to say, what happened in the office? Tell me the news. So this can cause friction. But if a person, a husband and both the wife understand how to act in accordance with each other and to be no sin shalom, to give shalom, to have the positive attitude when you come home into the house, to be a no sin shalom, so why does Rashi and Ban Midbar only speak about the union of Matil Shalom? And here you speak about the union of No Sin Shalom? Could very well be. I was thinking that in the death of Aaron, it was clear that those families and those participants that had great machlekes, they felt the pain right away of the loss of Aaron because Aaron was the one that was able to go into the kishkas of the issues and he was Matil Shalom Ben Ish L'Reyeyu Ben Ish L'Ishtai but over here, after Moshe Rabbeinu passed away, it's already a few months later. Now, all of a sudden, people piped up. People who were not necessarily in the situation that they needed Aaron to intercede in their behalf. But Aaron had given such an aura of Shalom into the world that they learned lessons from Aaron Akayin, And he was Matel Shalom Ben Ishlerayu. That could be why Rashi says, in the language in Bamidmar, he says, Ben Ishlerayu. While over there by Midbar, what does Rashi say? Rashi says, between man and his contestant, between Ishli Ishtai. It's not necessarily Ishalabaila, but over here there was a different uplifting expression. You should know that there's a Gavaldika Maisa, which we want to share with the Ilam, which. Um, I said over yesterday, and not realizing that there was an unbelievable Ashkacha Pratis. I heard this story from one of the Magidim, and it's not my story, but it's such a fantastic story, which relates to a great, the great guy in Tzadik, Rabbi Aaron Cutler, the Rashiva of Lakewood, the Rashiva of Kletsk. And anyone that thinks about who Rabbi Aaron Cutler was, immediately what comes to mind is this great guy in Torah, the great disseminator of Torah, the builder of Torah in America, the builder after the war, he was the Gever that created not only Lakewood, but all the Kodalim in America. And the constant uh, understanding Torah is the, of the utmost importance. And this all came about with his great genius. He was a great, great Tamachacham, a great Masmid. And everyone knows, if you think about a Baron Kodal, all you can think about is Gainus. But we don't realize the depths of what that Gainus really means. Rabbi Aaron, where did he live? He didn't live in Lakewood. The yeshiva was in Lakewood, but he lived in Brooklyn, New York. The whole week he was at home. He had a lot of things to take care of. He was raising money for the yeshiva. He was raising money for the yeshiva. He was involved, especially at the end of the war and during the war, in the saving of the Sheris Apleta. And he lived in Brooklyn, New York, and he would travel to Lakewood just for Shabbos. And Shabbos, he would give the major shir. For sure, he was involved in everything that went on. And it could be when other times during the week. But Lamaise's home was in Brooklyn. He davened in Brooklyn during the week. And... Who did he daven with? He daven with simple Yidden, people that came through the Holocaust, the sheriffs that played, the people that lost everything in their lives. There was one particular individual, a Galmud, a man who really had lost everything. And Rabbi Aaron, after davening, would spend time with this person, giving him a chizuk. 
and this person was in a depressed matzav, a broken man, and Rabaran said to him, you should know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is watching over you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to give you chizik, you're going to remarry, you're going to build a family, and Rabaran gave him a bracha that he's going to be zocher to have a baby daughter, and Rabaran said, I promise you that your daughter's chasta, I'm going to come and I'm going to dance. This is what Rabaran said to the person. Okay, gave chizik to the person, the person was able to revitalize himself, he was able to marry a woman, and his wife gave birth to a baby girl, and she was a healthy girl. And when she was 10 years old, unfortunately, the Rabban Shalom decided that Rabbaran has to be brought up to the Bez and Shomala. Rabbaran was nifter when this girl was 10 years old. So the promise that he made wasn't going to happen. Now, the truth is, it could be the man even didn't even think about it. But life went on. And when the girl became 20, she was zochet to become engaged to a Ben Torah. And they had a chasna, and the chasna was in Brooklyn. In the middle of the chasna, who walks into who walks into the chasna? Rip Schneer Cutler, Levracha. He came in and he went into the middle of the, the middle, and he danced with the chasna, and he danced with the father of the kala, and he literally put on a show. He danced mamish with all of his koiches, mamish like simchas Torah. And this talmud, it seems, wasn't even a talmud of Lakewood. At the after he danced, the person, the father of the Kala was so astounded and he said to Ripsneir, Ripsneir, thank you so much for coming. He didn't even send an invitation to Ripsneir. He didn't even think about sending. He wasn't the Rashiv of his of his of his uh, of his uh, futures of his son in law. And he said, Rabbi, please tell me what's the Pshat that you came to Nachasna? So listen to this. Ripsneir said, You should know that my father, before he was Nifter, I was in his room and he told me many, many things. And one of the things that he told me is that that there's a a person who I'm close with, who I gave a promise I was going to dance at his daughter's chasna. And now, unfortunately, I see the Rabbanu is not going to allow me to do that. I'm asking you, Rabbi Schneier, that you should go in my stead, you should be my shliach to dance at the chasna. The kachavayamaisa, that's why Rabbi Schneier came. Rabbi said, when we think about the gainus of Rabbi Aaron, we should recognize the, the greatest gainus that he had was his gainus and chesed. He thought about a promise that he gave to a person that was broken after the Holocaust. This is a person who's a nice and shalom, person that gives peace. And this is what we have to look up to. How can we bring peace into our lives? Bring peace that things should be shalom in the midst of crisis, in the midst of machlaikas, in the midst of meimariva. We should understand that if we are going to emulate Aaron Akoyan's ways and the Aaron Cutler, who is Aaron, also be nice and shalom between ourselves and our family, between our friends, create a society which is a better society. This is the antidote that happens in the middle of Parshas Chukas. We see Vayif Kukol Beis Yisrael. Everyone cried because Aaron Akoyan, he was the one that emulated this thing. I just saw this morning that it happens to be that the yard site for Schneer Cutler was yesterday. And I said over the schmooze and part of the schmooze in the yeshiva yesterday, not realizing that it was Schneer's yard site. I remember Schneer very, very well. I was able to learn with my good friend, Schneer's son, who's a good friend of mine. We were Chavrusas and I was able to Zoycha to, to meet Rip Schneer. Ah! So I want to give a bracha to everybody this Shabbos, Shabbos, Parshas Chukas. In the midst of all of this, 
the difficulties that Klai Yisrael is going through. We see HaKadosh Baruch Hashkacha Pratyas. We should work on what we can work on, which is to be Naisein Shalom. If we have to be Matel Meriva, to be Matel Shalom between, between the main Meriva, then we should, ha- we should also find the Kachas to be able to do that. But the main thing is to look at ourselves as being a family, look at ourselves as being friends, look at ourselves at what we can do to enhance the Shalom experience. Hidden in Brisi Shalom, the biggest Kayach that we can bring into the world is Hamavarech Ama Yisrael Bashalom. Wishing everyone a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos. Thank you for listening to this Foundation's podcast production. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. Thank you and have a wonderful day.